I'm thankful that, you know, as we consider the Lord and all that He's done, I'm thankful that when we come to, before Him, He's still the omniscient, almighty, wonderful Father. And as we do so, I just want to encourage you to uh, invite you to Jeremiah chapter number 18. And let's look there in in Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. He's known as the weeping prophet. He saw a lot of tragedy and trial. And and truly, he went through some great times with uh, different types of experience. And we're going to take you to a place where God took him to the potter's house. And what a beautiful picture that God gives us here. And he lays out for him in this common place an uncommon calling. And if you think about Jeremiah's life, and and if you read through the book of Jeremiah, you'll see that that God allowed him to see great highs and just some terrible lows. And he saw people uh, that just turned their back on the Lord and the hardness of their hearts. And we saw that God uh, just, uh, just took him through great trials in his ministry and in his life. And so in Jeremiah 1.5, we are given uh, one of the greatest examples of God's calling. It's a great example of God uh, and His moving, even uh, in the formation of a child. And we see there in Jeremiah 1.5, He says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God had a plan for Jeremiah. He said, listen, even, even before you realize everything that you're going to go through, listen, I've got a plan for your life. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't just haphazardly create us and say, oh, have fun, figure it out on your own. But instead, He is, is like that potter that we're going to learn about this morning. And He's shaping and molding and, and uh, helping us to make, him, make us into something beautiful in His image. And so let's look here at our text today. We're going to read Jeremiah chapter one, verses, uh, excuse me, chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. It says, With the word, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, the, and, uh, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Now therefore go to, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I frame evil against you, and devise a device against you. Turn ye now, everyone, from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for Jeremiah. Uh, Lord, the prophecy he shared with us here. We thank you for this beautiful picture that you have played out in, in Scripture and in Jeremiah's life. And thank you, Lord, that even today we can still see that you are the potter and we are the clay. And God, I pray that you would help us to be moldable and pliable to your will and your desire. And that, God, you would help to work in our lives that we might, Lord, see, Lord, that you, through every situation and every trial, are making and shaping and molding us into your image. 
We love you, Lord, and praise you for Christ and what he has done for us and what he means to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Pottery was an, uh, played a vital role and an important uh, place in everyday life in biblical times. Now, my, some of you may have pottery in your home. Uh, we have a couple of pieces of pottery in our home, and it's mostly for show. Uh, we have an, a piece of pottery that was in our home that was a hand-washing basin that uh, the previous owner had actually made and painted and left uh, in our home when they moved out. And so we liked it. We put a plant in it and said, man, what a pretty planter. You know, so it didn't hold as much sentimental value to us, but it was pretty. And we thought, hey, an ivy would look great in that thing. Amen. And so we have this beautiful piece of pottery, but it doesn't mean much to us. You know, it doesn't have much value to us. But in biblical times, pottery played an important role. As a matter of fact, it was something that was something very simple and something that could be very ornate. Uh, from the uh, poorest of homes to the most wealthy uh, of inhabitants, they would all have pottery in their homes of one form or another. Some of it was just kiln-dried or, or uh, just dried pottery that was not very fancy. It was just utilitarian. Some of it was pottery that was made to impress by its ornate carvings and its ornate paintings and, and different things that are on it. And we think about pottery today, and uh, probably a lot of women think, uh, how many ladies really like pretty pots, pretty pottery? Amen. Yeah. And you enjoy that. Maybe you can go to a thrift store and you get this find. Or yeah, We were in uh, Korea a few years ago, and as we were there, my wife brought home a pottery teacup thing, and it broke pretty easy. That's the one thing about pottery is it breaks. And so potters during biblical time, they had no problem keeping uh, customers because, as you know, pottery breaks. Well, pottery wasn't, was one of the main things that they used. And so instead of having metal pots and pans, they, they would use uh, earthenware to be able to store their food, to cook with, to have bowls and jars to eat with. And they would use it to transport commodities and different things. And so pottery was, was a vital part and an important role in the everyday life of people during, this, during Bible times. And so uh, there were other types of vessels uh, you know, there were obviously were baskets that they would weave out of grasses, but those things deteriorate over time. There was, um, there was vessels made out of leather, uh, but those things often didn't make it. And so when archaeologists dig, they don't often find a lot of leather scraps and pieces. And there was even metal pots and pans, but you had to be very wealthy to afford something like that. Matter of fact, we see that in the temple, when Solomon built the temple, that he had uh, made uh, beautiful metal uh, showpieces for worshiping the Lord. And so these were, these were sacred pieces. They were something special. And so we recognize that, that if you, in your cabinet at home, if you have stainless steel pots and pans at home, how many of you have that or cast iron or something like that? You've got metal pots and pans in your home. You would be extremely wealthy in Bible times. You say, what happened but everyone had earthenware. Everyone had pottery. And so it was not uncommon to go down to the potter's house and say, well, my kid broke my lamp last night. I need to find me a new lamp. Or, you know, I dropped that, uh, that big pot of, uh, of kimchi or spaghetti or whatever it was in that earthenware, and I've got to get me a new pot. And so I'm going down to see the potter today. And you would look, and there on the shelf, you would see all different types of pottery. And, and you would see there in, in, uh, the potter at his wheel. And, and Jeremiah describes the potter, and he, he says he would write a work on the wheels in verse number 3. Uh, excuse me, yeah, verse number 3. Now, wheels, he uses the plural form because of the way it looked. Let me show you what it looked like. Maybe. 
Is that the next picture? There it is. All right, thanks, Brother Brian. So right there, this is an ancient form of a potter's wheel. At the bottom, you'll see a giant stone, uh, and that would, that's called a kick wheel, if you will. It's called a, a double wheel potter's wheel uh, in some vernacular. And so that bottom stone was a kick wheel, and it sat upon a bearing assembly made oftentimes out of rock. And it was just, and one piece of the rock was fit snugly in the floor, and then the other piece was, was mounted on the bottom of that flywheel or the kick wheel. And then it, you would just use that to kick as you spun the pottery and spun the shaft. And on the very top was a smaller wheel, and it would spin faster. You kick the bottom one, it goes a little slower, the top one moves a little faster. And that was a piece of wood generally. You'd just plop that, uh, that uh, clay down right on top as he would begin to shape and form that clay. And so if you walked into a, a potter's house during Bible times, this is something that you would see. A man at his station working, kicking that potter's wheel, and, and shaping and, and building something out of just a lump of clay. And so God calls him and says, listen, I want you to come into, down into the potter's house. And so, like, I love that the Lord uses common everyday objects to bring out lessons for us. He brings it down to the simple, Amen. And I'm glad he does that because he knows how simple I am. And so he brings us down and he says, listen, let me just teach you a few things about myself. And so what he does is he allows Jeremiah to come in and just view the potter at work. And as he uses works, he describes that in verse number four. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. And this... Pottery was, was, uh, can turn out really beautiful or, like I said, very utilitarian. It was inexpensive. It was common. And, in, and as we think about this, I want to talk very briefly about the process of the potter this morning. Understanding where God wants us and what God has desired for us in our life, it's important for us to know, uh, you know kind of where the clay comes from. When I was a kid, I used to think clay came from Walmart. Amen. I didn't know where it came from. I, I just, I just, it appeared. Went to Walmart, bought some clay, and most of the time we bought modeling clay. Well, yesterday I went to, uh, it didn't come from Walmart. It came from Village Pottery in Republic. I stopped in and picked up a, a two pounds of, of turning clay yesterday. And so I have it with me this morning. And so, uh, but clay comes from uh, uh, just the, the riverbank oftentimes. They would, the potter would go down there, find a section of clay that, that looked good, it looked free from impurities as, as much as possible, and he would dig that out of the clay. He would put it in a satchel, he would carry it up to his potter's house, and then he would dump it in a trough where his assistant oftentimes would be treading the tr in the trough. Now, we've heard of treading the grapes, uh, trying to get the juice out of the grapes. Well, in the same way, they do the same thing with clay. And so they would drop it into this treading trough, and he would begin to just tread that clay. Let me share with you, uh, the Bible talks about this in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse number 25. He says, I've raised up one from the north, and he shall come from the rising of the sun. Shall, uh, he call upon my name, and he shall come upon princes as upon mortar. And as the potter treadeth the clay. We see God mentioned that the potter, as he treads the clay here in the potter's house. And so the, literally the assistant would just be there and he would just tread that clay. And what he was doing was he was beginning to mold it and, and to make it more pliable. And, to, uh, and oftentimes he would add sand or other ingredients to it to make it the consistency that he would need for the project he had in mind. But he's also looking for impurities. Because... If you dig it out of the ground, it's going to have rocks, 
It's going to have hard things. It's going to have sticks, maybe some hardened clay in there, and he's trying to mix, get those things out as best he can. And while at the same time, he's trying to mix in the right amount of moisture, the right amount of sand, and everything else. And so that assistant, he, as he's working with the potter, you, and so I just picture Jeremiah coming in, leaning against the doorstep as God's called him down into the potter's house, and he's sitting there, and he's watching the potter, the master potter there, as he's working and shaping this beautiful piece of pottery. And as he's working with it, he sees this, this vessel come out of this lump, and it just begin to, to form and to shape and to become this beautiful thing in this work of art. And then suddenly it's marred. But off in the corner, he sees the assistant. And he's really, he's doing a lot of the necessary prep work so that the potter can do his part. Elihu refers to the process, uh, this process in his speech to Job. And he says in Job 33, 6, he says, But I am according to thy wish in God's stead. I also am formed out of the clay. The word formed is from the Hebrew word, which is chorus, which means to nip or to pinch. And so what happened was that the potter would get this lump of clay like we have here, this, this brick of clay, and, and he would literally pinch off a piece that he was going to work with. And so he would, he would grab this piece, and so he began to make it and shape it and mold it. And then as he got the wheel going, and he would begin to kick it, and a little water on the hands there. I always forget that part because I'm not a, I don't do pottery. Anybody ever turned before? Turned pottery? Amen. Brother Hobie? It's, it's, no, it's Sister Debbie. Okay, good. Some of you have. And you begin to work with it, and he'd plop it down in the center, and he'd begin to apply pressure and work. And obviously, I'm not a potter, so I'm going to leave you very disappointed today. Uh, but as, as he would begin to work, he'd work right in the center of that, and he'd begin to work and bring, apply pressure to work that piece from the inside out. What a beautiful picture of what God does in our life. You know, God is one that He works in our life from the inside out. And God is the one who has to get out the impurities and prep us to become something beautiful. And so God obviously has this desire to work with Jeremiah in, in his life and begin to, to and the nation of Israel. And He's using this, these word pictures and He's using this beautiful illustration here to be able to teach him some important lessons. And so before it ever goes through the firing process, before it ever has a, a glaze applied, before it's ever fired again because it's a two-step two, uh, two process to have a beautiful piece, God has a lot of prep work to do in a life. And so that's what the lessons were that God is teaching Jeremiah and the lessons that we have here today as well. Because the reality is, is in life, tragedy will strike. There will be times where we are going through great tragedy and great trials, and there's going to be times where it seems like the world has been turned upside down. Brother Tim, his, one of his favorite scriptures was Psalms 46, and it talks about the world being turned up on its head. But yet God is still the same, amen? And, and I think about that, that, that clay, and I, th I think about all that, that it had to go through, that process of being dug out of the riverbank. And maybe in your life, that's what Christ did in your life, because you see what Jesus does. He digs us, and we don't have anything that, we, that makes us more beautiful or desirable than anything else, but He, he sees us, and He pulls us, and, he, and, and as we give our lives to Jesus Christ through salvation, He brings us and He puts us in the potter's house in that treading trough. And he plots us down, and we think, we are on the wheel. Hallelujah. I'm going to be something beautiful. 
But before we ever get to the wheel, we have to first go through the trial. That, that pressing, that treading, that time where God is looking for impurities and He's removing the sticks and the stones and He's looking, looking for things that are, hinder our ability to be made something beautiful up on the wheel. And so when we go through this time of testing, it is a great time where God is working to be able to transform our lives so that later He can use us to do something amazing. Now, in the Bible, he says to Jeremiah, it says, Arise and go down to the potter's house. There I will cause thee to hear my words. And so, uh, a couple of things about the location of this. Uh, Jerusalem was kind of on a hill. And, and so, on, uh, when God was talking to Jeremiah, he says, Go down into the, the potter's house. Most of the, the pottery shards that are found in ancient Jerusalem are in the Hinnom Valley. And down here in the Hinnom Valley, there is uh, obviously a water source and there's lots of clay in different areas where, uh, where uh, a potter would be able to try his trade. And he would set up his home and his home, uh, you know, we'd travel to work, but he would set up his shop and he would have his home attached to his shop. And then he would have a kiln where he would build and construct and then he could hold multiple types of earthenware in that. And so the, the Bible says that he tells him, go down into this place. And oftentimes in, li in life, we feel like we're going down into a valley when we follow the Lord. But I'm thankful that God doesn't leave us there. I'm thankful that God doesn't, has a perfect, perfected plan in our life. G. Campbell Morgan said this, the potter was not fooling with the clay. He wasn't playing with it. When I play with clay, I fool with it. Amen. Anybody else get some clay and you like to play with it and you like to mold it? And you, maybe you make a mustache or something like that. We fool with clay. But the potter wasn't fooling around. He was serious about his work. He knew what he had intended. He knew what he wanted to create. And so as, as we see this work here, God had a plan and a purpose. Morgan goes on to says he was not amusing himself. This was his work. It was serious. There was purpose in it. I do not know how that appeals to you, but as God is my witness, it, it has problems and pressure with its oft-times agonies. God is not playing with me. G. Campbell Morgan said, listen, as God, as the master potter is working in my, in my life, I'm reminded that he's not playing around, he's serious. And so when I go through those times of pressure, when, when I'm in that treading trough and he's looking for the impurities, God's got a great plan. And God's got a great purpose in that. And as we walk through those times and as we're going through these, these times where we feel like we're just in great tragedy, God says, listen, I know it's painful, but it's necessary in your life. Genesis 2-7, God reminds us that there's a purpose. He says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. You weren't an accident. It wasn't, uh, you know, uh, the rain had rained on uh, a rock for millions and billions of years and poof, something magically crawled out of this. It's, it's not God's, God's, the way God designed it. God spoke and it is here. That's the big bang. God said, let there be light and bang, there it was, you know. But this is the lesson that God was teaching Jeremiah is that just as there's a plan in the potter's house, there's a plan for me. Uh, for you in my house as well. And God has selected our lives. He's, he's redeemed us from the ground and He begins to apply pressure to form us and to conform us into His will. Psalms chapter 119 verse 73 says, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn Thy commandments. In the midst of this great tragedy, Job in his tragedy and trials cried out to God and he said, Thine hands have made me and fashioned me. 
together round about, yet thou dost destroy me. Remember, I beseech thee that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into the dust again. Job, even in his, his, his moment of despair, recognized that he was dependent upon the Lord and his shaping and his molding. And as he went through that trial, he felt like, man, I've been discarded and I've been cast out. And, 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 and I just remind you that, that even when you feel like you've been cast out, like, that, like you're going through the treading trough, that God's not done yet. And he's still at work. The word clay that's used here is homer. Now this, this Hebrew word is uh, different from just the clay of the ground, but because this is the refined potter's clay. It's been worked, it's been molded, it's been shaped, uh, it, has, it has been prepared, it's been purified. And, and as God worked in Job's life, we see that God had a, a plan for him, and as he went through the pressure of that plan, there was something that he was working to do, and that was remove impurities. Here in this, I wanted to point out, this is an ancient Egyptian uh, uh, scene here, and it's a little bit different than biblical uh, Israel's uh, shop would have looked like. But starting on the far left, you see the master potter at work. And uh, there he is, he's plying his trade, and he's got his assistant there who spins the wheel as he works, and he begins to shape this piece uh, into something beautiful. Down below in the center, you see a man who is in the treading trough, and he's preparing that clay for the potter to work and to do the master potter to do the, uh, create those beautiful pots that are behind him. And the final process is seen on the right as the man is placing the lid upon the kiln where those pots are, are placed. And as we see this, it's, it's a, a great reminder of all that, that uh, Jeremiah would have seen that day. And perhaps you feel like the man in the middle who's just, or the clay in the middle who's just being trampled and you're just going through trial after trial. And listen, God is using trials and he wants to use trials. And that's why James can say, my brethren, count it all blessing when you fall into diverse temptations. It's a good thing. Trials are a great thing as we walk and we follow Him because when tragedy strikes in your life, you may feel like God has cast you out and you're no longer good for anything. And I remind you that God has not forgotten or forsaken you. God's in the process of preparing your life to shape you into a vessel of honor. He wants your life to reflect that beautiful image of His Son. And that means He must take you from the ground. What maybe an exhilarating experience. I remember when the Lord saved me as a young man, and what an ex exciting moment when I put my faith in Jesus Christ and I ran home and I told my mom I got saved in church today, and I was so excited and just jubilant over that fact. But listen, but along that way, God has put me in that treading trough, and He's 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 worked to remove the impurities, and He's allowed tragedies to help me see the Savior. It's in moments like these, that tragedy, in these tra tragic moments, we may ask questions like, what in the world are you doing, God? I thought you were shaping, I thought you were making me into something that you could use, but at the moment I just feel like I'm just cast out. Isaiah chapter 45 and verse number 9 says, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioned it, What makest thou? Or thy work he hath, uh, hath he no hands? We see here that the process is not fun, it's not easy, but it's essential. As a potter prepares a clay, I want you to see that we, uh, in this process, we see the triumph uh, of the Savior. Isaiah chapter 29 and verse number 16, it says, Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay, for the work 
of him that made it, made he, uh, he made it me not? Or shall the thing framed say of him that framed it, he hath no understanding? You see, God speaks to us here in this moment, and he's saying, listen, to Jeremiah, as he spoke here, he says uh, in verse number 6 that, that we are the clay, he is the potter, and we can trust him. So oftentimes, though, we find ourselves, and let's say that uh, we submit ourselves to the hands of someone who's not the master potter. And we allow ourselves to get molded and shaped and plopped down on their wheel and they begin to apply pressure. And as, as we do so, we, we succumb to their desire and their, uh, and their wishes. And let me just say that I am not a master potter. And this is the best I can come up with. A few years ago, we had uh, missionary Steve Reinhold who was here with us. And as he was here with us, he created this beautiful vase. He did it right down here on the floor. He, he took this vase and he just shaped it out of a lump of clay because he was a master potter and he shared the story of all that God has done for our life. He left it with us. I had it fired and, and I painted it and, and had it fired again so it would uh, remain with us. And I want you to point out someone who's not a master potter may get a hold of your life. And he may make something or they may make something out of your life. And the devil is the great deceiver. And he wants you to think, look, I can be useful. I can be used of something. But when God, the master potter, gets a hold of your life, something truly beautiful can be made. Do you see the difference in the master potter versus someone who doesn't know what they're doing? And this is what Jeremiah saw as he walked into that potter's house. He saw these vessels of honor, these great vessels that God has, uh, that this potter had made. And he was reminded that when he gives his life and when Israel would just submit their life over to the Lord, that God could take this nation, this nation that was going through great trial and this nation that was seeing submitting themselves to, uh, to Moloch and to Baal and all these false gods. And he said, if you would just come back to the potter's house, if you just come back to the potter and submit yourself to him, God can make something beautiful. He says in verse number four, I looked and I saw and the piece was marred in the hands of the potter. And he patiently took and he remade it. I'm thankful that God doesn't give up on me. I'm thankful when as a teenager I chose to rebel against God that God didn't take me and throw me out. He took me to that treading trough and he continued to work on me and said, listen, you're going to be hard-hearted. I'm going to continue to pour into you. I'm going to continue to develop and work in your life until I can put you back on this, this, this wheel. I thank God for the potter. I thank God that he is the master potter. And when we truly come to him and we say, Lord, I'm just going to give, I'm going to submit myself completely to you, that's when we become that tractable servant. What that means is pliable, moldable. But I needed a letter T, so I used tractable. So let me just say this. Christ wants to make of your life this. He wants to make something beautiful. Now, you have to ignore the paint job. I'm not a painter either, uh, but uh, at least you get the picture. But he wants to make something usable, something beautiful, something that you could fill up. And if you were to look in it, there are no cracks because the potter did such a beautiful job. And that's what he wants your life to be, is that beautiful piece that can be used and admired and bring glory to the potter's name.
but it requires that you submit your will to Him. What happened to that clay? In verse number 4, he says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. He said, listen, maybe there was an impurity or an imperfection, or maybe it suddenly got hard from working and, and molding and shaping. I'm not sure, but this is what I know, that the vessel was marred in the hands of the potter. When we harden our hearts, when we say, God, I'll give you Sunday morning, but I'm not going to give you anything else. God, I'm going to give you this, but I'm not going to give you that. God, I'm not, I'm, I won't surrender to missions, but I'll do anything else. I will not go to Africa. I told God I won't stay in Springfield. I thank the Lord that He is the potter. Listen, when we say, God, I just want to humbly submit to you, you are the master potter, then He can do something beautiful. In the book of Romans, this is the same illustration comes up as Paul talks about this. In Romans chapter 9, verses 20 and 21, it says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Had not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel into honor and another to dishonor? Listen, God gives us the opportunity to yield to Him today and say, God, I want you to just take my life and mold me and shape me and, and develop in me what you want. But it requires us to be able to have that desire to yield to Him. Because as a master potter, He can take a life that's broken, a life that seems worthless, lay it on the riverbank, and He brings it up and He works all the impurities out in it, and He brings it and He plops it on His wheel and He, create, on his wheel and he creates something incredibly beautiful and useful if you'll just simply say, God, I want to be yielded to you. Our prayer today, my prayer is found in Isaiah 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay. Thou our potter, and we are the work of Thy hand. You may feel like an insignificant lump of clay. You may feel like your life is useless, full of impurities, and in shambles. And the Lord offers you an opportunity to be made into a beautiful vessel of honor. I love that, that saying that says every a saint has a past and every sinner has a future. When you come to Jesus Christ to, 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 today, He begins to work and to shape your life to make you something beautiful. And that is specifically His desire is not not an earthen vessel, but he wants to shape you into the, uh, his, the son of the image of his son Jesus Christ. On my own, I would never be able to make it even from the tread, treading trough onto the potter's wheel. On my own, I'd never make it from the creek bank up to the treading trough. There, on my own, I can't do this. I need the Lord. And listen, today you need the Lord too. You can't earn your way to heaven any more than becoming a, 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 some clay on a riverbank makes you a beautiful vessel. Listen, you need Jesus Christ. You need Him alone. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and Him alone, not, not in Jesus and, Jesus only is what the Bible says. And the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the understanding is that sinners, I can't, I can't uh, uh, there's nothing I can do for myself. I can't earn my way to heaven. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what I've earned. That's, what, that's the very thing that I want to avoid is the thing, only thing that I can get on my own. But he says, but the gift of God 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he offers today for you the opportunity to be in heaven with him. And that's willing, that is your part as, as just that lump of clay being able to say, Lord, I want to be saved today. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. You must put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior, not a Savior, but the Savior, and, and call upon Him for your uh, cleansing and forgiveness of your sins. And today He offers you salvation. Maybe, you've, maybe your life has been hardened. Maybe you have allowed things to come in and maybe you've let someone else at the potter's wheel to try to shape and mold your life and you feel like you look like I got a hold of you, amen? God says, listen, come back to the potter's wheel. Let me make something beautiful in your home and in your life.